gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Becoming Men podcast. I'm your host, Ray Delanues, and this is still the podcast for good men who want to live epic lives. I show up every week with legendary guests who help me bring you some of the best content out there on masculinity, hands down. This week's episode is brought to you by MasterMyPurpose.com. If you're looking to clarify your God-given purpose and master some of the skills of some of the world's most dangerous, most successful, and purpose-driven men, and you want to march into action like right now, then make sure that you head over to MasterMyPurpose.com for your free 21-day guide to a purpose-driven year. You can join the army of men who are already marching in new direction and new purpose. Again, that's MasterMyPurpose.com. This week's guest is Dylan Bowles, also known as Debo. He's the host of the Young Married Christians podcast, where Christian influencers talk about marriage and parenting and raise awareness to one of the greatest issues in our country and how the church is actually perfectly set up to eradicate that issue completely. Now, I will say that after walking away from this conversation with Debo, I went into a very serious conversation with my wife about what we talked about today, and it really started to shift some things inside of us, and maybe it'll start to do the same thing in you. So without further ado, enjoy this week's show. Debo, thanks for coming on the podcast, brother. Thanks for having me, Ray. Hey, if you can go back a decade and talk to yourself for 60 seconds, that's all you got, man. What would you say to that guy? I would say, <laughs> man, I'll tell you what, at first I had to do the math. Cause I'm like, okay, I'm 32. That would have made me 22. Yeah. I would have said that divorce is not the end of the world. Wow. Okay. I wouldn't have even needed the 60 seconds. I would have just said divorce is not the end of the world. And my younger self would have been probably like, what in the world? I mean, I probably would have been freaked out. Like who is this old guy with a beard? Cause when I was 22, I couldn't grow facial hair, right. but I think I needed to hear that because that would have been a couple of years before my divorce. Wow. Okay. And that right there is, that's heavy, right? Because as a 22 year old, were you a Christian at the time? Yeah, I was a Christian and I was raised essentially to believe that divorce was about the worst thing that you could do. It's like divorce and suicide. Right. Right. Exactly. And that's where I'm headed. Like here you have this young man who's wanting to live for Christ. He's wanting to like go out and conquer the world. And, you know, you're telling yourself, right? Like, Hey, I know this is weird. You don't understand. I don't have enough time to explain time travel, but it's going to be okay when you get divorced. And I mean, yeah, that would have been gut-wrenching, man. I think that's one of those things where if you have a deep-seated already inside of yourself that that's like a place you definitely don't go, that means you are a crappy Christian, you're already setting yourself up for so much failure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that everyone, what they can take from this, because maybe not everyone listening has went through a divorce, but just knowing that your biggest wounds can also be your biggest witness that God uses in your testimony. And who would have thought that a guy that went through a divorce would now be doing a podcast, you know, talking through marriage and parenting with young married Christians. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, do you mind sharing why there wasn't like an attempt for reconciliation, why you chose to walk away? Yeah, man. I would say this. First of all, anytime that anybody in the church has somebody that is going through a divorce, you should never judge that person or ever feel like, oh, they're walking away. It was easy. Like, yes, you should always fight for marriage. I always tell my friends, like, don't fight for me. Don't fight for my spouse. Fight for the marriage. And you should always have people in your corner and you should always be able to have friends that you're vulnerable enough with to have those 
conversations that are tough and that might make you uncomfortable. But for us, after she had an affair with my best friend and we tried to go through marriage counseling and we tried to work through our differences, it was not until her second affair that she had where I felt like there wasn't any kind of repentance. There was no, you know, I'm sorry. I know that I hurt you. I want to do better. And so I think that anytime in a marriage, you know, if there's an affair or if there's abuse, I think that if that person that wronged you doesn't have any kind of repentance and there's no 180 degree shift, I'm sorry for what I did. I genuinely messed up. And that wasn't me. That was, you know, the devil tricking me. Then if that doesn't happen, then I don't think that you can really move forward. And so after months of trying and months of trying to get through that and move forward, it just kept moving more in reverse. Yeah. Yeah. But now here you are, right? Decade later, you have this wisdom inside of you and you're like, okay, I'm actually pretty hopeful about what's to come because you're engaged right now, correct? Yeah, currently engaged. Our date is October 10th, 2022. And very excited for my future. But, you know, I think that going from a divorce and anybody that's out there that's living that single life, number one, the goal is not marriage. And I'll say that again. Number one, the church will probably tell you that your goal is to get married and have kids and have a family. But Number one, your goal should never be marriage. Your number one goal should be your relationship with Christ. But if you are single and you are feeling like you are in the darkest spot in the entire universe, I am going to tell you like there's hope out there. And in God's timing, he's going to put the right person in your life. So stop wasting all of your energy and effort into finding the right Christian and instead go out and do what Jesus is calling you to do and, you know, building up yourself financially and building up yourself spiritually. Man, that was so well said right now. I'm coaching, you know, a good dozen or more guys really from around the world. And I'm seeing the same thing come up, right? Cause when you're talking to guys in their early twenties, one of the things that they're thinking about, especially young Christian men, they're thinking about that future spouse. So it comes up a lot and man, there is that, kind of draw in a man to like, Hey, I just want to find the right woman. You know, what do I need to do? And where do I need to look? And I'll tell them right now, like, you're not going to find them in a strip club. So stay out of there. You know, you're not going (laughs) to find that woman in the bar, right? Like it's just, but here's what I do know. The woman that you're going to marry is out there. And so your role right now is to become the person who you're looking for is looking for, right? Like that woman is looking for a certain type of man right now is the right time. And like you said, like get your finances in order, get your boundaries in order, right? Get your relational habits and abilities in line so that when you show up, you know, you still got some baggage. I know, right. We're not looking at for perfection before going to the marriage bed, but like when you show up, you're not carrying that humongous suitcase that you brought out of your parents' household into a marriage, you know, where now you're trying to unpack that thing with somebody who's absolutely not going to put up with some of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't want to show up on your wedding day with like two giant bags, like your Santa Claus, one filled with your emotional baggage (laughs) and the other one filled with, you know, your student loans and all your financial debt. And like, Hey, this is what you're marrying. That's not fun for anybody. And I would say too, like my advice for anybody out there hearing this, I would highly recommend living out on your own before getting married. Don't go from you know, the guest bedroom of mom and dad's house 
into your new life with your spouse. Like go out, live in a college dorm. If you're wanting to do the college thing or go out and get a cheap apartment, like slum it up for a while, like learn how to take care of, you know, cockroaches and pest control and do some weeds and, you know, whatever, like slum it up if you have to get in an apartment with a ton of your guy friends and just smell absolutely awful for a couple of years and <laughs> eat tons of pizza. Like, but I think it's so important to like figure out your independence and like who you are as a person, like outside of mom and dad's care. Yes. Yes, man. That is wisdom right there, guys. Just so you know. And for me, it happened that way. Right. And it wasn't on purpose. Right. It wasn't like I thought one day, hey, this will be really good for, you know, my soul as a man in the future. No, I just knew I needed to do something. And so I joined the Marine Corps. <laughs> really kind of unexpectedly just said, okay, I'm just going to quit college, go join the Marine Corps. And gosh, getting out, being an independent man, being in charge of myself, right? Taking over the bills that I gave to my parents. Like, hey, no, I'm gonna go ahead and take that cell phone bill back. You know, I'm in charge <laughs> of my own, you know, cable bill and paying for my own food and all that stuff. Just, it brings you to this new level of like, okay, if I can take care of myself and get that right, I can now start thinking of inviting somebody else into the picture, you know? Debo, I want to be able to maybe transition a little bit into what you're doing right now, man, and how I got caught up with you. So I found your podcast, Young Married Christians, and I'm like, okay, this is exactly where I want to be at. What's up here? And then, you know, right at the beginning of your podcast, you kind of right, you start heavy with like, this is our mission. This is what we want, right? Not like militant heavy, but like you are absolute about what it is that you desire and you know your target audience, you know what you want to tell them and you do a pretty dang good job at podcasting, by the way. So thanks man. Job on you. Yeah. Yeah. But tell me a little bit about it. Where'd this thing come from? The burning passion. What is that passion and what's your mission? Yeah. Well, first I'll say nothing militant over here. If you see these biceps, these are more like squirt guns than super soakers. So I don't have you matched on that level for sure. But yeah, man, you were asking about like how we got started doing this. So, I mean, if you see behind me, I've got all the Disney decor. I was a Disney nut, moved from Indiana down to Florida, honestly, just to live out my Disney dream, work for the theme parks. And after doing timeshare for Disney, working for the Disney Vacation Club, I had this guy named James Carberry come up into my life out of nowhere through a mutual friend. And one night we're sitting at a restaurant and he grabs my thigh and looks me in the eye and was like, hey, man, you need to leave Disney and you need to come and work for me and do this podcast called Young Mary Christian. And I was like, all right, man, you can take your hand off my thigh now and let's figure out how this actually is going to look. <laughs> and so he started talking through just like his vision for it and just kind of this holy discontent that he had for kids in foster care. And he said, look, Debo, there's 400,000 kids in foster care and there's 400,000 churches in America. And the fact that that number is like near identical, like that is a God thing. And so all we have to do is be able to get into the ear of 400,000 young married Christians and be able to get them to start thinking about fostering as an option. Because typically, you know, you think about like, okay, we could have our own kids and you know, I'm sure a lot of people out there have seen the movie Juno or they've heard things about adoption. So they think, OK, well, maybe we go out and adopt, you know, like it's like going out and getting a new puppy. We can go out and pick out our perfect child. Like we want that blonde hair, blue eyed. We want them around this tall, this weight. We want them to be into these sports like, 
you know, you can accessorize and personalize and customize your own little child and have the perfect baby. But we're trying to throw out that third option, which is a little more messy and right. is a little more Jesus. And maybe I shouldn't say more Jesus because yes, the Bible talks about multiplying and reproducing yourself. And it talks about going after the orphans, but maybe just another dimension, right? Like more of Jesus because it's just another side, right? Yeah. Well, and I also say more of Jesus just because like, man, I feel like you have to have so much patience and like such a big heart to be able to go into fostering. And so like, I don't want anyone to think that, you know, I'm trying to sugarcoat like how hard and difficult it is to be a foster parent, but we just want people to like wrestle with it. And which is what we should be doing daily. Like our eyes shouldn't be so focused on like the here and now we should be focused on like eternity and thinking about like what matters to God and maybe like all these kids that are in vulnerable situations and maybe they don't have a home. Maybe they're going from home to home every other month or every other week and like maybe some stability in their life and just like a place that maybe it's a pit stop or maybe it's a forever home, but maybe it's their only opportunity to hear the gospel. And so like, we want that to be an option that young married Christians are thinking about. And so, yeah, we were like, how are we going to get this demographic to actually like listen and like hear about the message of fostering? Because foster care is not something that you just randomly stumble upon. It's like either you're looking for it or you're completely avoiding it. Or maybe you just don't even know that it really exists. And so we were like, all right, let's interview some influencers in the Christian world, you know, different content creators and make some engaging and entertaining Joe Rogan like style podcasts to where, you know, if they want to hear about Tina Campbell talking about why God created orgasms, it's there. If they want to hear from Ruslan talking about, you know, how binge watching Netflix shows together with your spouse is going to make you more connected. It's there. Do you dream of being known as a resilient and confident Christian man? Maybe you've even wished that you would finally become more faithful and disciplined, but after trying so damn hard, you still don't see any lasting change. So you feel discouraged and ashamed. And I get that because that was me more than eight years ago. But I can tell you right now that one of the things that's going to help you become the man that God created you to be is by getting a life coach, somebody who's going to be in your corner and walking with you along the way. And because I understand the transformative power of a virtual life coach, I want to offer you a free session right now on me. All you have to do is head over to thebecomingmen.com forward slash coaching. Again, that's thebecomingmen.com forward slash coaching. And so we talk about anything and everything. And I feel like the foster care mission is sprinkled in just enough to make people lean in a little bit closer and go out and do their own research and figure out like, is this something that God has for me? And is it something that not only does God have for me, but is it something that I'm willing to lay down my life and pick up my cross and say yes to? And that's a great approach because at the end of the day, like when Jesus says that we are like fishers of men, right? That's all our porch, our portion is, right? We're just fishing. And once they're on the hook, like we might do a little reeling in, but after that, Hey Lord, you got the net, you got the filleting, <laughs> start filleting them in the spirit, Lord, because you are the one that needs to be convicting them. You know what I'm saying? It's not our work, but, and that's what you guys are showing up to do. You know, you show up and you're interviewing these awesome guests, by the way, I love the lineup so far that you guys have had. And then really being able to get this stuff in front of your target audience, the young Christian couples who 
maybe they're not even thinking about it right now. They might have a child or two of their own and understand this parenting thing before they even think about fostering, but the bug was there. And that's all that Jesus is calling us, right? Like plant that bug and I'll do the rest. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing, like we're not trying to beat down doors and barge into people's, you know, living rooms and force them into something that they're not being called to, or that they're not open to, you know? And I mean, maybe I shouldn't even say call to, because I mean, the Bible is pretty clear that we should take care of orphans and widows and underneath the umbrella of orphans, foster kids would live. But I think that a lot of times people think that these Christians that are foster parents or that are taking in all of these kids that aren't their biological children are these superheroes and that God has just given them these amazing abilities to be able to have so much patience and time and capacity to take on more and more and more and more, which is also the problem in churches as far as volunteers go. And I'm sure a lot of preachers would you know, love to hear the message of like, please give us more volunteers. We've got 10 people doing what a hundred people could easily do. And anyways, but I think that realistically, you know, it's not just don't foster or I do foster it's everything in between. And so a lot of people just need to be educated on like, Hey, I could literally just be a wraparound care for a foster family where I just provide them one meal a month. And if you're in a small group right now and you're figuring out like, hey, how can we serve together as, you know, like our core community group? And maybe it's like you and a couple of your friends or whatever, like just find a foster family either in your church or in your city. It shouldn't be too hard. If you go around asking people, you don't have to ask too many people. Like somebody will point you in the right direction. And if you don't know how to cook, I mean, DoorDash and Uber Eats exist. So you could literally just like order Chipotle and send it to their house. You don't even have to leave your living room from playing Call of Duty to be able to serve like a foster family. And, you know, not only can you do wraparound care, but there's things like respite care out there as well, where it's like a more short term. And it's like, for instance, if a foster family, maybe they need to go to like a funeral or something where they can't take the foster child with them. They just need a place that will watch that child for like a day or two, maybe a weekend. And that's almost like the trial package of fostering. You know, it's like, you know, try it for seven days, see if you like it, see if God pulls up your heart and then close lines you into submission. Man, we can go in so many directions right now because I feel like I can understand why the young married Christian couple might not want to just jump right in and accept this thing, right? Right away, right off the bat. But like, I also think it has to do with exposure, right? Like you had said, like, if we don't understand that this stuff is out there, that there are about 400,000 children in the foster system and about 400,000 churches in the United States that can solve this issue. Like if we don't know that, we're just ignorant to, you know, the status, right? And I think, you know, it's just like the military, man. Only 1% of the American population will ever serve in the military. So not a lot of people understand and know about it. But this thing hits closer to home than a lot of us might even understand or know. I mean, I just finished coaching a little kid's soccer team, right? And by the way, I was a certified coach. I got the t-shirt. It says it right on the bat. I never played soccer a day in my life. So just so you know, (laughs) that is a possibility. You can be a certified coach without having mastering anything. Yes. And I had nine kids on the team, one of them being my daughter. Three of those kids, 33% of them were foster kids. Mm. 
And I thought that was very, that was incredible. I mean, good on those foster parents wanting to get them out and in front of a bunch of other kids in an activity like that. And that's probably why they were there, but man, those are high numbers. And then, you know, I told you offline, my wife, her family is so heavily involved that they have homes that they bought, purchased, and now have leased out to other companies so that they can do foster care in those homes or that they can have groups in those homes. My wife's family has adopted six, I think it's seven in total nine within the family, nine mentally handicapped children that were given to the state because their parents abandoned them, right? Literally sometimes like out in the cold in Minnesota, abandoned these mentally handicapped children that go from, you know, can't talk to high function autism. So it's close to home. It's a lot closer to us than what we would like to think. Yeah. And I'll say this. I think that a lot of Christians, when they hear somebody like me saying, you know, we should be doing this, we should be doing that. And they're just like feeling like, man, you know, he's like hounding me or he's like cracking the whip. But I would say like, man, and I should be careful saying that it's not your fault, but I mean, it's because it is right there in the Bible, but I will say this, (laughs) we are pretty great as a church to listen to whatever the person at the pulpit is saying to the congregation and do that thing. So if your pastor or your preacher or your pope or I don't know, your priest, whatever, is up there saying, hey, guys, we should be praying daily. The congregation is probably going to be praying daily. Like they're going to listen to whatever they say. If they're saying, hey, we as a church should be doing this local food drive, I bet you next week, everybody's going to be showing up with cans of food and all kinds of goodies and, you know, just dumping backpacks of food into whatever this bin is. And so it's not that the church isn't listening. It's just that the church isn't hearing that message. And there's not a lot of preachers out there that are talking about things like foster care or things like going and, you know, being with people that are imprisoned or in jail or people that are, you know, homeless, like the people that are actually in need and the people that actually would love for the church to show up. But I think that a lot of times we have this fear that has been, you know, put into our heads from either politics or social media or our TV shows, whatever. So you have that fear and then you have that the fact that we all just love comfort, you know, like we all have that favorite blanket or favorite pillow. Like we love to be able to just be like warm and snuggly and everything's good. And I got my favorite show on, <laughs> you know, like, so we have this fear and we love comfort and those two together just cripples a church, cripples the church. And so that's what we're fighting against. And so our battle is not, I feel like, man, I don't even know how to phrase this. Like we are not looking at the battle as Christians not wanting to do something. We're just looking at the battle and the enemy as Christians not knowing, you know, that this is something that needs to be done. And so that's why, you know, we're trying to get into people's ears, but we're working on these one day events where we can actually show up to churches that will allow us to come in and just kind of let everybody, you know, inform them and like give them direction of how to make next steps. And I'm sure that a lot of people will be like, wow, didn't even realize that was a thing. Didn't realize that three kids on my, you know, child's soccer team are foster kids. Didn't realize there was this many foster parents in our congregation. You know, it's all those things that don't get brought up when we show up to a Sunday service that is in an auditorium you know, configuration where we're all looking at one guy 
and then we leave and we haven't met anyone new and we haven't had any tough conversations. Right. You know, I'll also add this to the complexity. I think we also disqualify ourselves, right? Like we think that that's just a gifting that is reserved for a specific type of people. And I don't know, I can probably name or point to three or four people in my life who are just so Holy Spirit filled. They're those joyful people that show up and you're like, that makes sense. They would be foster parents and adopt children, right? Like you fit that model. Oh, you have nine children. Okay. Yeah, I totally, I can totally see that. But we don't think that like we, one person, one couple can make a difference, right? Like it's just me and my cats. Well, like, why don't you just, you know, respite care, right? Try that. Right. What do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, those people that, like you said, like you like just brush shoulders with them and you feel like you've just touched the robe of Jesus. You're like, man, that person is filled with the spirit. They're waking up every morning. Holy spirit activate. You know, like (laughs) I'm sure they're throwing down their Jesus jam and chugging their Jesus juice. And they're like on a whole other level. But if this person is taking on nine kids or a hundred kids or whatever, like can't we show up with, you know, Jersey Mike sub for them once a week or once a month? Like I might've jumped the gun on saying once a week, like, can we bring them some food once a month just to make it a little bit easier or be able to, like you said, like be a respite family to give them one date night a month. Because, you know, even though those people seem like they're loving life and everything is just flowers and butterflies, I'm sure they would love to have some peace and quiet for one night where them and their love could go out and enjoy a nice meal and, you know, not have to be putting out fires and wiping noses and, you know, all of that. And something I was thinking about, uh, you mentioned something that made me think about it, that song, The Blessing, when it talks about like, you know, your children and their children for generations and generations, like when it comes to orphans and when it comes to, you know, either adopting or fostering, you are not just helping one kid. You are literally shifting the entire family tree and the lineage of that child, like their bloodline, like, because now that kid's kids and then that kid's kids are all affected by you saying yes and stepping up. I'll end this with one last analogy because a lot of people will have this negative thought in their head. And I think it's something that the devil tries to tell us is that, oh, well, you would only be helping one kid. Like how big of an effect will that actually happen in the grand scheme of things? But just remember this, there's a story of this little kid and this old man, and the old man is watching the little kid come down the beach and the kid is tossing these like starfish back into the ocean one at a time. And the beach is filled with starfish. And the old man looks at the little kid and says, Hey, little kid, what are you doing? Don't you realize like, you'll never be able to clear this beach and you'll never be able to get every starfish back into the ocean. So like, what does it even matter? He looks at the old man. He says, and as he's throwing one into the ocean, he says, well, it mattered to that one. And I think, that that's what we have to remember is like every child has a face, every face has a story and every story matters. Wow. Wow. That's so well said. And I think that when you're looking at, you know, for the most part, this isn't talking bad about our generation. I'm just talking about just young people in general. We tend to think about, you know, maybe in like pinhole in like a very, very small way, right? Like through a straw, right? Like we have this tunnel vision about how things are like something affects me. And like, we only see that what we see through that little small hole through that peephole rather than seeing the entirety of it. 
And I think what you're bringing up here is a really good point, man, that if we broadened our horizon to see the fact that like, no, man, one is one, but one is also one more than would have been done if you did nothing. And that in itself is so valuable. And I'm kind of stuck right now with this idea of compound interest, right? Like I'm talking about this everywhere, especially with my Marines. I talk to everybody about, Hey, I'm going to give you a million dollars right now. Would you take it? Yeah, absolutely. All right. If I give you a million dollars or you have the choice of taking a penny that will actually double in amount every single day for 30 days, which one are you going to take? Everyone's like, of course, the million dollars. It's like, well, joke's on you, bro. Cause that, <laughs> that penny would actually turn to $5.3 million in 30 days, but we don't see the one little small, almost meaningless penny as having any power. And that's what you're talking about here, right? Like this small little action, small little thing, small little bleep in all of eternity can actually have a compounding effect, right? Where you look at it now and we think instead of just in this lifetime, we're thinking legacies upon legacies, right? Their children and their children and their children's children. Yeah. And because with foster care, you know, and a lot of people get this confused is that you're not always guaranteed to have that child for life. It's not always a foster to adopt situation. And so if you have brought this child into your house, it's the first time that they're hearing about the gospel of Jesus and you are raising them up in a way that now say they have to leave your house. Maybe they go back to their family. Maybe, you know, they go to, you know, an aunt or uncle or grandma or grandpa's house, wherever. Now they are a messenger Mm -hmm. for Christ. And now they can affect that family. And then maybe they go into another foster home. And now, you know, like, so what you're able to do with one child, I mean, it's just like chain lightning. It can just like multiply, you know, I mean, that's why it's so important to evangelize and do any kind of ministry and preach the gospel to any person, because you never know like that your one conversation could turn into so many more conversations. But yeah. And I mean, like you said, as far as like, you were talking about like looking through the straw. I'm sure that for me and with young Mary Christian, we probably have tunnel vision when it comes to foster care. And I'm sure that if somebody came alongside me and started talking about global missions and how important that is, or if somebody came on my other side and started talking about taking care of widows, you know, I'd probably be like, yes, that is also important. But like, you have to have, I think your goal set on something like, not everybody is going to be able to do every single thing, but every person can at least do one thing. Yeah. Yeah. So well said, man. That's a good point. You know, earlier when we were offline, we were just kind of discussing a little bit of, I won't say frustration, right? But we can have a little bit of a disagreement with the current cultural atmosphere, for lack of better terms, about what we're experiencing when we show up to church as a congregation. And maybe why this, not why the problem is exacerbated, why, but why it continues to be untalked about, right? And I think that right now, what is attractive, especially with TikTok, especially with, you know, Instagram really spiking up on these reels, like if it's not consumable in 15 seconds, I probably don't want to hear it. If it doesn't give me a one, two, three step guide on how I can fix my life and become a better X, Y, Z, then I'm probably not going to engage with it as well. But here you're talking about something that is really very close to the heart of Jesus, but it doesn't fit in this like model that we have allowed in these, you know, what I was calling a teddy bear or build a bear style Christianity. 
Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is that 15 second reels and three step processes aren't going to, you know, get you to look like Jesus. Like you might smell like Jesus. You might have his scent. You might, you know, have, you know, if you squint really hard and look at you, like maybe I see a little bit of it. But like, if you're really trying to look like him, you're going to look very different than the world. And so I think that, yeah, some big things that need to happen in the church congregation. Number one, we've got to have pastors that are actually going through. Pastors have to be held accountable and have to have, I think, whether it's their elders or some kind of group of, you know, men and women that can like actually say, Hey, what you're saying here is more for CNN or Fox news than it is for the church. Or they could say like, Hey, I really feel like we're moving away from scripture and getting more to just like telling fun stories or maybe just saying like, I feel like you care way too much about the congregation liking you rather than challenging them. And maybe we lose some of them. And so like those conversations need to be happening. And I think that the leadership needs to not be without reproach. Like they need to be able to say like, "Mm, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like I either need to change this or they need to be able to understand like, yeah, maybe I'm not the person for the job and I'm actually taking the place of who God actually wants here in charge of this church. So that's number one. Number two, I think that, you know, when you go to church, I mean, it's essentially the Christian movie theater or the Christian opera because you're walking in to like, you know, you might as well have your ticket of like, oh, I'm G5 or I'm J6. Like, all right, find your seat, sit down, zip your lips and enjoy the show. But instead, I think that if, you know, there was like this thing going on in the Pacific Northwest where they had these bar churches. I don't know if they're still doing them with COVID, but essentially they had like everyone sitting at round tables They'd have a guy come out and just like stir up a conversation and you would turn to your table and you would just discuss and talk about whatever it was that the guy on the stage like brought up. And it was like these quick conversation starters. And yeah, they would drink beer and they would, you know, have their cocktails while they were drinking or while they were talking. But then after they talked for a while, then the guy would get back up on stage and talk about something else. And so I think that that's something that's not happening in churches. Like the original church that we see in Acts was like people coming together and like rallying each other up and like getting to meet other believers and saying like, oh, hey, like I didn't realize that you also believed in this good news of Jesus. You know, like we should hang out sometime. Like I'm just like baffled at the fact that Christians go to this thing every week. And it's like, what are you getting from it? When was the last time you met someone new? When was the last time that you actually were challenged and you were able to actually like talk out what your thoughts were on this? Like it shouldn't be show up for church and then go out for lunch afterwards. And that's when you get to actually talk about it. Like it should be happening there. And then, you know, last but not least, like, I think that the church congregations just have to have leaders that are willing to sacrifice talking about things that are going to equal, you know, tithe that are going to equal, you know, profits for their business. And they got to talk about things that might lose them 
money. And that's the thing. Like church right now is very much built in a business mindset. Like you've got your childcare, you've got your, sometimes, you know, there's food and, you know, you got like the donuts and the coffee bars when you're walking in. So it's everything to get people in the door and, you know, giving their money to the church to keep it sustainable. And I totally understand, like, you have to be able to keep the lights on, but at the same time, like, sometimes you got to say things that's going to rub people the wrong way and make them leave. If they leave your church and the church next door is saying the same thing and they leave that one and they keep leaving churches and they start thinking to themselves, like, maybe it's not the church that's the problem. Maybe I need to see this in a different light. Like, I think those are the three big things. Man, thank you for laying that out, man. That was so well said. If these guys that are listening right now want to be able to get a hold of you, they want to be able to engage with what it is that you guys are doing over there and just maybe continue the conversation. Where do you want to send them? Yeah, check us out. Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple, anywhere a podcast is. Everything is going to be young, married, Christian. 